Is it ever right to speculate about the salvation of someone you never met? Is slavery a sin? Was American slavery sin? Was it evil? Is slavery evil? Or if slavery is evil, why is it never condemned or prohibited in the Bible? How about this? Is unrepentant sin forgiven? Can a person enter heaven, be told, well done, good and faithful servant, with unrepentant sin in their life? George Whitfield was one of the greatest evangelists that the American continent ever witnessed in its history. Professor Jared Wilson wrote an article regarding George Whitfield, and the title of that article is simply Was George Whitfield a Christian? And the subtitle is Dealing with the Tainted Legacy of American History's Greatest Preacher. Tainted Legacy. Is it a sin to slander other people? And does slander require the, the person that's being slandered to be alive. If George Whitfield's legacy wasn't tainted, and you say that it is tainted, is that slander? My name is Ed Dingus, and you are listening to The Reformed Rant, episode number 46. Today is October 26, 2019, and we are talking about Jared Wilson and his article that, in my view, um, very likely is guilty of slandering one of the greatest preachers who has ever lived in the history of the church. Through the grapevine, my new neighbor don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down, motor in the front yard. <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a knotted pine tree. Saying I was here first, this is my piece of dirt, and your rambling don't rattle me. Some people care about what other people think, worry about what they say. Let a little gossip coming from a loose lip run a perfect day. Saying fly, 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 just a jack in their jaws, gotta let it roll off of my back. I don't give a darn what other people think. What do you think?
Okay, let's uh, let's get on with it and try to get this done in less than an hour. That's my goal is to try to keep the rants under an hour. I'd actually like to keep them to like 30 minutes if possible. So let's, I doubt that I can do that, but let's see what we can, what we can do. I guess I have to work on that. Pray for me. All right. So this particular episode is a brief review of the article and argument made by Jared Wilson claiming that it is perfectly moral and in keeping with the fruit of the spirit to question the salvation of dead people that you never met based on the one fact and one fact alone, they own slaves. All right, I'm specifically referring to Jared Wilson's article regarding George Whitfield uh, that he published back, it's been a while, back on May 27th, 2019. And the title of the article was, Was George Whitfield a Christian? Dealing with the Tainted Legacy of um, uh, American History's Greatest Preacher. Uh, so, <clears throat> I'll come back to this point later, but just follow me here. Hate America is the common thing. Hate the core values and principles that America was founded on, which taints the Constitution, which gives fuel to mangle the Constitution, do away with the Constitution. Um, and so what are we trying to do? We're trying to get evangelicals to shift left. Hey, look, look, guys, hey, look, their greatest preacher in the history of America is terribly tainted with wickedness and sinfulness because he was a slave owner. One more reason to hate America, right? Evangelicalism associated with this conservative Christian values, principles, social conservatism, so on and so forth, sometimes regrettably identified with, with synonymously with capitalism, which it, it is not. Come back to that at some point in time in the future. I am a conservative. Uh, but the point I'm making now is that there is an agenda here. Something behind the curtains that we're trying to do. Poisoning the well? I don't think so. Telling the truth? Yeah, moving directly to really the heartbeat of why these articles are showing up and why these people are adopting the views that they're adopting? Yeah, I think that's prob probably the case. At a minimum, if that isn't the intent, it sure is the result, without any question. So is it ever right to speculate the, about the salvation of someone you never met? Is that ever, ever a good idea? Well, gosh, um, I'm looking for usefulness. I'm looking for you know, from a, from the standpoint of my own sanctification, from my from the standpoint of walking in the fruit of the spirit, from the standpoint of imaging God and reflecting the gospel of Jesus Christ, reflecting the justice of God and the love of God, I'm I'm trying to understand when it would be okay to do that, um, and I'm also trying to avoid being, you know 
a legalist when it comes to this sort of thing. So let's just throw out an example. Was Hitler saved? Uh, probably not. <laughs> yeah. No reason, no reason whatsoever to conclude that Hitler was saved when he died. And that's the point, when he died. We know that for the overwhelming majority of his life that he was not saved. And I have no reason to speculate that's, that Hitler repented before he blew his brains out. I don't have any reason to think that. Uh, uh, yeah, I could, I suppose, adopt the naive, gullible, idiotic approach that some of these people uh, adopt in wanting to believe the best of everyone. And so, therefore, I'm going to choose to believe that Hitler repented before he killed himself. And somehow we think that makes us more Christian, virtuous, charitable, loving. I, I personally think it makes us more stupid, personally. Yeah, I, I, I do. So, uh, stop it. Stop being so idiotic. Hitler, there's no reason to think Hitler was saved. There's a lot of people to think that about. Now, you know, when you move over to Christians, okay, well, now this is a different, this is a different ball of wax, right? This is a different situation. Uh, in some cases, it's probably right to maybe not speculate about their salvation as much as speculating, and I guess speculation is the, a, a bad word. Okay, let's just uh, throw out a, you know, a, a flaming heretic, Kenneth Copeland. Is it good to warn people about Kenneth Copeland and say this man's faith gives us, leaves us with absolutely no evidence whatsoever to suggest that he truly knows Christ. Stay away from him. Okay, that's good. That's good. But again, I'm going to say that the degree of your dogmatism in statements like this about people should parallel the clarity of Scripture on these issues. It should be clear that they're engaging in something that Scripture clearly, without equivocation, unambiguously condemns. Okay? Let that be the guide. Right? And we don't have to go all the way to, to, the, to the, the utmost end and say they're in hell. Uh, it's enough to say, I have no reason to suggest that person knows Christ. And here's why. Okay, so let's let's shift gears into, into the subject at hand. Is slavery a sin? We're questioning the salvation of George Whitfield, argu arguably um, America's greatest evangelist in the history of the American continent, in the history of the nation, uh, the greatest evangelist that this country's ever seen. And we're going to question his salvation. Never done that before. This is new. And why are we going to do that? We're going to do that because George Whitfield owned slaves. All right. Uh, and according to Professor Wilson, Professor Wilson, Jared Wilson, assumes that slavery apparently is a sin. He never bothers in this article, maybe somewhere else he does, uh, if so, I would I would be interested in hearing more details from him on how he nuances slavery, and more importantly, how he reconciles his view that slavery is a sin with his view that Christianity is true. That's really what I would like to hear uh, 
Jared Wilson do? And any of these other guys who are who are making these claims. Uh, so I want to be fair and sensitive as well, uh, as sensitive as is reasonable to be. Let's say it that way. Um, now, is slavery a sin? Now, I, I have intentionally not asked if certain practices of slavery are sinful. I'm not asking that. I'm not asking, is it possible to make slavery a sin? I'm asking, is slavery generic, broad-based, universally, ipso facto, a sin. Is the very notion of one human being owning and controlling another human being ipso facto a sin? Is the concept of human being as property in and of itself wicked? Is it absolutely sin? Now, the biggest mistake you're going to make when asking or answering this question is to ask a biblically inept American who also happens to have ancestors, potentially, who were slaves, this question. If you answer, if you ask that person, that demographic, this question, the very likely answer is going to be yes. Now, that's not true for good, solid, reformed believers who are informed with Scripture. There are some reformed folks folks who claim to be Reformed, who will still answer this question, yes. And the basis of the answer is little more than that person's own prejudice against the practice of slavery. Nothing more, nothing less. The best thing we can do when asking this question is to consult the revelation of God, which is essentially seeking to understand what God says about it. What does God say? What God says is true. What God says is right, right? One thing God never says in Scripture is that slavery, a practice that was rampant throughout the entire history of the writing of Scripture, is a wicked practice that is prohibited. We have 1,500 years. That's the span of time over which Genesis through Revelation was penned. 1,500 years, and across that 1,500 years, slavery existed in all kinds of different forms and fashions. It was rampant. So we have 1,500 years of opportunity, 31,000 plus verses, 66 books, for God to reveal to Christians and human beings that the concept, the very concept of one human being owning another human being is pernicious wickedness, that it's evil. And he doesn't do it anywhere. That is enough to cause your brain to twist a little bit. Okay? Yet, even though that is the case, these professors and pastors who hold themselves out as God's messengers do not hesitate to tell us how God feels about slavery. What? Do they have access to the same sort of divine revelation that the rest of us do not have? Or I should say, have they some sort of special 
glimpse into God's revelation that God hasn't given to the rest of us? If you look at Scripture, if that's the only revelation that we have, and it most certainly is, well, then that's where you have to go. How is it that you can stand up and pound the table and say, God feels this way about slavery, completely and totally opposed to it, and any sense of the word is just awful, wicked, pernicious, evil, um, but he neglected to include that anywhere in the divine revelation. I'm trying to figure this out. It's a fair question. Now, I know some people listening to the rant don't like this question at all. And they don't think it's a fair question. I think it is a fair question. When you say something is sinful, I think it is absolutely fair to say, why is it sinful? Where does the Bible say this is sinful? Where are the principles in Scripture that we can deduce that slavery is, ipso facto, sinful? As far as I'm concerned, it's a display of amazing arrogance and presumptuousness for anyone to make the sweeping generalization that God condemns slavery. Where does God do that? Now, just in case you're wondering, I am not defending slavery. I'm not defending chattel slavery. I'm not defending ancient slavery. I'm not defending any form of slavery. I'm not defending the generic idea of slavery. I'm defending God. What I'm interested here in is not slavery. What I'm interested in is what does God say about this particular practice? And do we have a right to say something else about it that God does not say? That's what I'm interested in. You can take out slavery and put in anything you want in its place. The reason I'm picking on slavery is, one, it illustrates our arrogance. We don't want slavery to be okay. We have this particular idea in our minds on what's right and what's wrong and so forth. And we want that to be what God is for or against. I want God to be for what I'm for. I want God to be opposed to what I'm opposed to. You see, that's what this is about. My annoyance is not with men who condemn slavery. There, is, there are plenty of practices in that area, in the area of slavery, that are wicked and pernicious and ungodly. Abuse, and you, I mean, you could go on and talk about all kinds of treatment inside slavery that was just completely and totally unacceptable. But that does not make slavery sinful. And uh, the fact that there are abusive men and women involved in marriages doesn't make marriage evil. It's the abuse that's evil, that's wicked. See, this is, there's a difference. And this is what I'm trying to get people to understand. More importantly, I want people to stop where God stops. That's really what I would like to see them do. All right? Men are putting words in God's mouth that God did not speak. Let's be clear. Was American slavery evil? You, so this is a question that is extremely broad, and it's, it's unfair to say generically that 
American slavery and anyone involved in it whatsoever, anyone who benefited from it, and that's what's being argued, uh, were involved in evil and owe African Americans or Africans an apology of some sort. This is, this is the, the, the argument, right? There were forms of American slavery that were evil. So here's the thing. Let's back up. America was, it was in, American, in American history, America, the nation, was a government that engaged in slavery, just like the Roman government in, was involved in slavery. It was legal there. And slaves were treated, some of them were treated just okay, most of them were not. If you think Roman slavery was was ten times more moral than American slavery, you better think again. There was abuse, there was rape, there was all kinds of nonsense that and and torture and and just abuse thoroughly involved in Roman slavery, just like there was in American slavery. And I would venture to say that I mean, if you're going to argue that. Uh, the idea of owning another human being is evil in and of itself, well, then you would have to condemn Roman slavery along with American slavery just on the principle that it's evil for one human to own another human. Human beings should not be thought of as property, right? Well, all right. So was it evil for Israel to take POWs uh, as slaves? Or was it evil for Israel to take foreigners as slaves? Countries that they conquered? Pagans? Idolaters? Was it uh, evil for Israel to buy slaves from foreigners? Was it evil for God to send Israel and Judah into slavery to the Assyrians and the Babylonians, respectively? Was it? Because he did. He punished them. All right, so just a word about unmerited favor, a word about grace, a word about divine justice. Every single one of us, even to this very day, if we got what was coming to us, we could be sold into slavery anywhere on this planet into the worst conditions imaginable. And we would deserve it. We have no right not to be subjected to that kind of abuse. I don't have that right. I sinned against a holy God. God is well within his rights to punish me in whatever way he deems appropriate. It is only for God's grace and mercy that I sit where I sit and that I am not enslaved, and neither are you. There isn't anyone listening to this podcast that's ever been the object of legal slavery. Someone may listen to this who suffered a horrible experience illegally, but there's no, no one who knows what this is like. Well, I guess I could take that back. Someone could be listening to this podcast in Africa or one of these other countries where slavery is still legal. So that's possible. I'll take that back. All right, let's, let's move on. Is, if slavery is evil, we have to ask the question, why is it never condemned or prohibited in the Bible? Like, so, for example, polygamy and divorce were permit, permitted at one time, but then no longer permitted. At least polygamy was completely uh, done away with and prohibited entirely. And divorce uh, came under a couple of exceptions, and that's it. Whereas before, it was 
pretty much open. Now you had to have, you had to meet two very stringent conditions in order to be able to uh, be divorced. If you didn't meet them, you, you could not divorce. So something changed. So slavery was legal in the Old Testament and practiced, and it was legal and practiced in the New Testament. Why didn't Christ or Paul or Peter or John or any of these apostles, why didn't they change it? The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Hmm. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Mm hmm. Why didn't Paul tell masters something different? Because in Colossians 4.1, he says this, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Why didn't he say, Masters, you shouldn't be masters. You should free your slaves. Set them free. Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon. He did not demand that Philemon just end Onesimus' slavery. The phrase, not as a slave, when he said, receive him back not as a slave, is a play on words that harkens back to 1 Corinthians 7, 22, which says, for he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. He did not demand that, that Philemon release Onesimus. In fact, he asked Philemon's permission to invoke the service of Onesimus and did not want to Philemon to do it out of compulsion. He respected Philemon's rights as a slave owner. Wow. How in the world could Paul respect Philemon's rights as a slave owner while we have this professor who's all educated and modern and sophisticated in modern contemporary America, actually questioning the salvation of George Whitfield for the very same reason. And yet Paul, Paul respects Philemon's rights as a slave owner, while Jared Wilson stomps on George Whitfield's reputation as an evangelist and as a Christian because he was a slave owner. I understand Wilson tried his best to couch the language as softly as he could, but he did not succeed. What he did succeed in doing is slandering George Whitfield. People twist Philemon because they have an agenda. I have no agenda where slavery is concerned. What I care about is that people respect and honor God's word. That's what I care about. I don't care about any of this other nonsense. When someone stands up and says, God says, I care about whether or not God actually said what they say he said. That's what I care about. That's why I do this. I do this because there are far too many people running around telling folks who are not as informed in the word that God said something he did not say. And there are far too many of us who just shrug our shoulders and accept what these guys say. Well, just like the song says, I really don't care what people say about me. 
I don't care what you think about me. I care what God says about me. I care what God thinks about me. And for the sake of your soul, I hope you think good things about me. Because I can, I, I can say that if I'm right in what I'm saying and you hate me for it, well, then you hate me for the truth, which means you hate the truth, which means you hate God. And that is troubling. So I'm going to say it one more time. If you want to accept the claim that slavery is an evil practice, then you will have to reject the claim that Christianity is true. I'm going to stand by that. You chew on that and think about that. If you have any questions, by all means, leave them in the app. Uh, go over to Reformation Charlotte on Facebook. There's two Facebook groups over there for, uh, for Reformation Charlotte. Uh, go to Reformed Reasons and comment on this podcast when it's posted. If you want to accept the claim that slavery is an evil practice, then you will have to reject the claim that Christianity is true. The only way you can hold to both of those ideas is if you're willing to admit that you are holding to contradictory beliefs. Not apparent contradictions, actual, obvious contradictions. Now let's get to the article. First thing that Wilson says in the article, uh, what are we to make of uh, evangelicalism's historical heroes who carry with them still a a tainted legacy of sin? Okay, so hero is is exactly the wrong word, and it uh, conjures up, in my mind, images that um, I think George Whitfield would surely object to. He doesn't want to be anybody's hero, okay? That's that's the, exactly the wrong kind of image that we want to think of when we think of heroes. We should not elevate men. Now, do we have a greater sense of appreciation and respect for the work of some men because of their labors and contributions? Well, of course we do, right? And I think that's true with Whitfield. Maybe that's what Wilson's trying to say. If it is, I wish he'd just said it that way as opposed to using this nonsense of heroes. All right, next quote. He says, It is common sometimes to hear the defense that these men, men like Whitfield, or men of their times, as if to apply a kind of ignorance born of their cultural melee, an unenlightened naivety, in hopes of seeing their good outweigh their bad. But this kind of defense doesn't work. Okay. So here we have Wilson taking away the idea that Whitfield was a man of his time, a product of his culture, which everyone is. So he's not going to let Whitfield plead ignorance on this. And we're going somewhere with this. He is is increasing, Wilson is increasing what he thinks is Whitfield's culpability for being a slave owner. Okay. Now what Wilson never does in the article, something that he must absolutely do, but does not, is establish his position that Whitfield was sinning by owning slaves. He doesn't, he doesn't argue that's he doesn't put up an argument that owning slaves is a sin. He assumes it. 
and that's a problem. Okay, he goes on and says, which is to say Whitfield's earliest expressed positions stand in prophetic witness against his later and longer held expressed positions. The man knew better, end quote. So apparently Whitfield was opposed to slavery in the beginning, uh, earlier on in life, but then changed his position and spent most of his life holding to the view that owning slaves was not immoral, was not wrong for a Christian. And so Wilson takes this and says, so Whitfield knew better. Well, he's charging George Whitfield with knowingly violating God's commandment against slavery and for doing this habitually for most of his life. He even ties Whitfield's motivation for owning slaves to his orphanage that he runs, that there's a benefit, an economic benefit there. And maybe there was an economic benefit, but this is what Wilson is doing with his article. He wants to be able to damn Whitfield without coming right, without coming right out and damning him. That's what he wants to be able to do. It's really a cowardly approach. If you're going to stand up and, and say everything that he says about Whitfield, just say it. Say what you want to say. Wilson says everything in this article but what he really wants to say, you see. And I really have a, have a problem with guys like this. I think they're cowards. Stand up, be a man, and say what you mean. Don't pity-patty around, uh, around the issue. Don't tiptoe around it. Just say it. So this is a much more serious charge than Wilson seems to understand, and I'm going to point this out in due time. Did Whitfield know better? That's the question that I'm asking. Did, did Whitfield really know better? And he just violated his conscience. He knew slavery was, was wrong, but he violated his conscience and owned slaves anyhow. Um, or did he, did Whitfield actually change his view because his understanding of Scripture changed on this subject? That's, Wilson does not entertain this as a possibility, not even for a second. He just says Whitfield's couple, period. Whitfield is sinning, and he's knowingly sinning. And it's a pragmatic decision on Whitfield part, Whitfield's part to sin. He knows better, and he's doing it anyhow. That's what he's saying. Couldn't be much clearer than that. I'm not painting a straw man, constructing a straw man. Did Whitfield learn that his later position on slavery was actually the one expressed in Scripture? And as a result, he came to change his position on the issue. Right? Did he know better or did he learn better? Wilson goes on and says, in, in no uncertain terms, he was complicit in this great evil. Knowingly complicit. Right? Wilson is digging quite the hole. Hmm. He goes on and says uh, another quote, or perhaps seeing it, he did not care. We cannot rightly say this was a blind spot in the man's life because of his contrary views previously. How might we wrestle with the tainted legacy of George Whitfield? Wilson continues to assume what he does not even lift a finger to prove. Slavery is a sin. 
And he continues to assume that Whitfield knew this, didn't change his position. He only suppressed his conscious conscience and engaged in pragmatism. That's what Wilson is saying. And then he says, to the million-dollar question at hand, how can anyone believe George Whitfield was a genuine believer? All right, who's asking this question, folks, and why are they asking it? Think about that. Who's asking the question, and why is the question being asked? Does the question have any real relevance for us today? Does it matter to us today? How? How does it matter? What are we doing with this question? The same Look, the same people who are driving this question and this deconstruction of evangelicalism, the very same people who are doing this celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. as a wonderful Christian brother. These are the people who are asking this question. These are the people who are condemning George Whitfield. They go celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. as a godly man every year. But George Whitfield was an evil, pernicious, wicked man because he owned slaves. Martin Luther King Jr. engaged in the kind of immorality that I find to be okay, so I'm going to celebrate him. But slave owning is the kind of morality that I find not to be okay, so I'm going to crucify George Whitfield. This is rubbish, folks. Absolute rubbish. You have to demonstrate that God is the one who clearly expresses in Scripture that owning slaves is immoral. And if God does not say that, then you can't say that he does. And since sin is lawlessness, sin is a violation of the law of God, if you cannot demonstrate that slavery is violating the law of God, then you cannot demonstrate that slavery is a sin. It violates your moral principles. Who are you? Why should I pay any attention to your morality? You don't matter. God matters. Your morality doesn't matter. What you think is good and what you think is evil and what you think is right and wrong doesn't matter. What matters is what God's Word says. That's what matters. You can put words in God's mouth if you want. You will give an answer for every word you put in His mouth, as will I, which is why I try my best never to do that. Now, what's going on here? They are asking the question because the agenda really has everything to do with deconstructing evangelicalism. You see, evangelicalism in America, the evangelical church, stands in the way of liberalism, secular, secularism, taking over everything in the country and removing people's freedoms. And if you can knock over evangelicalism, if you can deconstruct it and make people ashamed of it and move people to the left, it will be easier for you going forward to put just the right people in office, to implement just the right policies, paving the way for, I don't know, universal income, reparations, 
all these entitlement, this entitlement nonsense, capitalism is evil, it gets flushed down the toilet. That is what this is about. Let's be honest. And these people are going to tell you that it isn't what this is about, but they are liars. That is what this is about. Period. If it isn't what this is about, let them, let them trot out their Bibles. Let them engage in good, solid, sound, biblical hermeneutics, Scripture interpreting Scripture, and let them make their case because the Bible makes it for them. What you will find is a complete lack of biblical arguments, sound exegesis, solid theology that is the outworking of good, solid, biblical interpretation. You won't find that. What you will find is pagan philosophies and ideologies, assumptions, uncritically accepted views on what's right and wrong, all mingled up in and, and co-mingled with Christian theology, weaving it in, making it sound wonderful. Right, so this, these people are bringing in liberation theologies, black liberation theology, feminist liberation theology, queer theology. So the question itself regarding George Whitfield, in my view, is irrelevant. There are no slaves today. There are no slaveholders today. No one knows anyone in America who was a slave in the Atlantic slave trade. No one. They don't know what it's like. They have no idea what that experience was like. All they can do is read about the experience of others. So what is this exercise about then? Well, it, as I said, it's political. From its core to its shell, top to bottom. Wilson knows that to be the case. He's part of the SBC elite, elite who are obsessed with the church's reputation and credibility in the world. There is slavery in the history of the church, and that creates an image problem because black, certain black people, not all, certain black people know exactly how to use the values of godless pagans to bring pressure on weak-minded leaders. And that's in this area of, of, of reparations and, and so forth. But this isn't just black people who know how to do this. It's the liberal people, white and black. They know how to bring the how to make you feel like a bigot if you're against homosexuality or if you're opposed to female leadership in the churches. They know how to make you feel like a bigot if you're not making decisions based on the uh, content of melanin in someone's DNA. Oh, there's no one on the board that ha has enough melanin in their system, so this is a problem. As if melanin content in a person's skin matters. Well, they know how to make it matter. They become experts at that, some of these people. Jesse Jackson and, and Al Sharpton, and, you know, the list goes on. And now some of them are over here in the churches doing the very same thing that these guys have been doing in secular culture for years now, decades. And they're exploiting. They don't love black people. They're exploiting them. They're using people. Just like these guys who are taking up for women and, and abuse, 
You think that all of these guys, some of them care, I'm sure, but you think all of these guys really are pure in their goals and motives? These are God-haters. They're immoral people. They're totally depraved. They're working an angle, most of them. They want to look a certain way. And we just, like, you know, in the name of Christian love, we have to give them the, the benefit of that nonsense. Christian love doesn't mean that you have to be stupid, naive, or gullible. I'm tired of this. I can love you and scrutinize you top to bottom, both at the same time. You got that? Yeah, it's possible. John said, test the spirits. Don't believe everything you hear. Test them. No one talked about love more than John. I don't know if anybody outside of Paul talked about discernment more than John. He talked about both. We don't know what love is. And then uh, Wilson goes on and says, quote, I have no complaints with those who cannot believe that George Whitfield was a Christian. He has no complaints about that. He's perfectly fine with that. Right? Now, here's a guy. I give him a little grief on Twitter. And he, he says, I don't have the fruit of the Spirit because... I don't know. He didn't like what I said. You don't like what somebody says on Twitter, then that means they don't have the fruit of the Spirit. It means they're, they're mean or nasty and they can't possibly be saved because you don't like what they said on Twitter. 280 characters. You don't like it. They don't have the fruit of the Spirit. He has no idea who I am. I have no idea who he is. I'm judging Jared Wilson based on his article, which is quite lengthy, and based on his argument, which reveals a lot about how he thinks. I'm not judging his Christianity. I'm judging his argument. I'm judging the things he said. I don't know if he knows Christ. I don't know him. All right, so just ask one of these, these quibblers what they hope to gain by raising this issue. Just ask them and listen to the answer and learn. You, I promise you, if you will just ask them, and if they will tell you, if they will open their mouths and start talking, and you will shut yours and start listening, you will learn what this is really about. Wilson goes on and says, a good tree does not produce bad fruit. After all, as far as we can tell, Whitfield never repudiated his sin, never repented of it. That alone brings the genuineness of his faith into question in many of our churches today. Why should Whitfield get a pass from the same scrutiny? Now, notice that Wilson cowardly says that it brings the genuineness of Whitfield's faith into question in many of our churches. He wanted to say where he's concerned, but he just doesn't have the guts to say that. But he's saying it without saying it. This is what I don't like about these guys. You know, he may be saved, but I don't like this about him. I don't like this about Jared Wilson. I don't like this about Jared Wilson. I don't know if Jared Wilson's saved or not. It's not my business to judge whether or not he's filled with the Spirit. I don't know him, but I do know this argument, and he's the one who put up the argument. And I know what he's doing from his argument because I have read enough of his tweets over the course of the last couple of years to know what pattern he follows where these questions are concerned and these issues are concerned. 
So he says, why should Whitfield get a pass from the same scrutiny? Well, once again, Wilson assumes that what, Field, what, that what Whitfield is practicing was a sin. I suspect it's because Wilson has uncritically accepted the assessment of the godless culture where slavery is concerned, rather than pausing just for a moment to entertain the idea that maybe Whitfield owned slaves because he saw in Scripture nothing that prohibited it. Maybe that's why Whitfield owned slaves. Maybe that's why Philemon owned slaves. That's, maybe that's why Paul said to masters to treat their slaves with, with justice and fairness. And maybe it's why Paul said to slaves, obey your masters, even the masters that are mean. Them, even obey them, so that the word of God won't be blasphemed. Wilson cannot possibly be serious. He is moving. No, no, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me back up. I got ahead of myself. Got ahead of myself. I need to move a little faster here. Wilson says, if I were uh, Whitfield's pastor today, I would plead with him to repent as I would any professing Christian living a life that brings their profession into question. All right, so he, 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 I, uh, how can you take that seriously? Okay, he is moving. Serious, how can you take that serious? He is moving Whitfield to our time rather than going back to Whitfield's time. This is shocking for someone who is actually responsible for teaching future pastors. What Wilson should do is convince us that he could have lived in Whitfield's time and been raised in that culture with those laws and still hold to these convictions as he does today and then go back and tell Whitfield to repent. But you see, the reason he doesn't do that is because he would have to come up with a way to demonstrate how he arrived at these convictions. And if he lived in Whitfield's day, that might have been a little harder to do than, than living today, where we have a modern culture where slavery seems obsolete and useless. I would ask Jared Wilson, what argument would you make, sir, to convince Reverend Whitfield, a man whose intellect far surpasses your own, a man whose grasp of Scripture was masterful, to say the very least, to convince him that he was in sin and in need of repentance? What would, you, what would be the argument? Wilson doesn't give us an argument. He just assumes. He makes this giant leap and then crucifies George Whitfield on the other side of that leap. Irresponsible. Irresponsible. At best. And honestly, slanderous, in my view. And no, a person does not have to be living in order for you to slander them. If Wilson is wrong about Whitfield, then what he has done is slandered George Whitfield, one of the greatest preachers in American history one of the greatest preachers in the history of the church. So here's the sum summary. Owning slaves is a pernicious and evil sin, according to Wilson. George Whitfield knew that owning slaves was a pernicious and evil sin. Wilson said so himself. George Whitfield owned slaves, even though he knew. George Whitfield knowingly engaged in a pernicious and evil sin. 
That is the necessary conclusion of this argument. It's, it's valid, okay, and the, which means the conclusions follow from the premises. George Whitfield never repented of engaging in what he knew was pernicious and evil sin. Wow, that's what Jared Wilson has argued in his article. And Jared, if you disagree, you can reach out. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me at Reformed Reasons. I think you know where else you can find me, just based on some things that I've seen. Uh, but you can reach out. Be more than happy to discuss this with you. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, John says, is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Is unrepentant sin forgiven? Can you be a Christian and knowingly live in habitual sin? Habitual, unrepentant sin. A sin that is on the same level as Wilson implies slavery is on. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality. Surely these are the same kind of sin. They're in the same class. Murder, lying, cheating, stealing. Of course, they would have to be just as evil. In fact, slavery might be considered worse. Where does Wilson draw the line and what exactly is the criteria he employs to draw the line just right there? Because he says you can go to heaven with unrepentant sin in your life. The Confession, Westminster Confession, chapter 15, paragraph 3. Although repentance be not to be rested in as any satisfaction for sin or any cause of the pardon thereof, which is the act of God's free grace in Christ. Yet it is of such necessity to all sinners that none may expect pardon without it. Wow. That's Westminster Confession of Faith, faith folks. The standard Reformed Confession in the history of the church stands out. That's what the confession says. Can a person enter heaven with unrepentant sin in their life? Wilson says, in the end, I hope and trust Whitfield was saved. Not because I have benefited from his work, though I have, but because I am sure I will die with sin unrepented of myself. So the standard then, I guess, is Wilson's, Wilson's own personal experience that he has unrepentant sin in his life. God's going to let him into heaven. So he thinks God probably, hopefully, will let Whitfield into heaven as well. Hmm. All right. I've always thought that those with a low view of sin, folks, have a low view of sin because they have sin in their own life that they tolerate and that they pet and that they don't kill. That's my opinion. There's far too much wrong with this kind of thinking theologically for me to get into this, this kind of complexity in this particular episode. I'm going to have to come back to this right after I deal with the doctrines of grace and the idolatry of feminism in the church. So look, that's, you know, that's really all I have to say about Jared Wilson's article on George Whitfield, calling George Whitfield's salvation uh, into uh, question because he owns slaves. It is regrettable, it is irresponsible, it is unfortunate, and personally I believe it is slanderous to the reputation of George Whitfield for us to make these kind of judgments. The issue of slavery is far more complicated than we care to admit. And if you heard me arguing, I don't want you to think that I think 
that any kind of slavery is acceptable. I don't think that. I think that if you were to measure human, if you were to look at human history and measure slavery over the course of the centuries, that the overwhelming majority of the way slavery was practiced was absolutely positively wicked. I will also say that the existence of slavery uh, necessarily depends on the fall. Slavery is a product of the fall. It is not a good thing. It is a bad thing. It is wicked, just like death. It's, it is the consequences of the fall. Okay, so I, I want to be sure that people understand that. Nevertheless, nevertheless, just like divorce is bad, there are exceptions for divorce. And in the New Testament, when we see slavery, in, 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 even in the Roman era, we have the Apostle Paul not condemning it in all its forms. In fact, we have prescriptions for how a master should treat their slaves. So we would say the same thing to American slavery. It, it, my point is that it is far more nuanced than you might think. Uh, if you want to talk about slavery generically and the, let's say, the typical or common abuse that went on, uh, no Christian can defend that. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of people who actually did those things who claim to be Christians. But look, Martin Luther King Jr. was an adulterer, a uh, drunkard, a heretic, uh, more than once over, uh, and he called himself a Christian too. Um, there are a lot of people who run around fornicating and committing adultery and divorcing their spouses for just because they fell out of love or because they want someone new or whatever the reason, non-biblical reasons. They lie, they cheat, they steal, they swear, they do all kinds, I mean, you name it. And they say they're a Christian. Saying you're a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. All right, that's enough, enough said on this particular topic. So Jared Wilson, I'm going to send this, I'm going to tag you on this post in Twitter. And I hope you listen to this. And uh, if you have any questions, you want to talk to me, you want, you want to call me, we can message one another, I'll give you my number, and we can have a conversation about this issue. You want to come on to the Reformed Rant and have a debate with me on this particular topic? I would be more than happy to, to debate this, this point with you. Uh, but whatever you do, if you if you have an issue with this, come talk to me. Be a man and talk to me. Don't talk to other people about me. Come talk to me. You send me your number and ask me to call you, I will do that, I promise. I promise you. I've never had a problem doing that. And we can have a conversation. Right? I'm not judging your salvation. I am vociferously disagreeing with your position. And I think it's unbiblical. And that's why I'm disagreeing with it. That's enough. All right. Hopefully I've said something in this rant that will get you thinking, that will uh, encourage you, provoke you to give this more serious thought. Uh, look, keep the faith. Stay in the fight. Keep your chin up. Be encouraged. Look to Christ. And just keep living your life to the glory of God, sharing the gospel with a lost and dying world. You're here to glorify God in every circumstance that you're in. That's why we are here. All right. God bless. This podcast is part of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Biblical Christianity's marketplace of ideas. BibleThumpingWingnut.com Now daddy didn't like trouble 
But if it came along Everyone that knew him Knew each side that he'd be on He never was a hero For this county's shining light But you could always find him standing up For what he thought was right He'd say you've got to stand for something Or you'll fall for anything You've got to be your own man Not a puppet on screen Never compromise what's right And uphold your family name You've got to stand for something Or you'll fall for 